Hello again, this is Charlie, and you're listening to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AMA 20. On remote, we have Joey Matthews with the Federal Savings Bank, and we also have Vince Arricchio of Arricchio Law Group. And in our studio, I'm going to mention our guest host in just a little bit. Um, but for now, Joey, if you don't mind, can you give us an update on yeah, what's going guys. on in the financial world? For sure. So, uh, name is Joey Matthews, NMLS, 1330694, working over at the Federal Savings Bank. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the biggest thing going on right now is uh, we recently had a what's called a yield curve inversion. It's where the shorter bond yields start pricing higher. Uh, and when I say pricing higher, I mean a higher yield than the longer term yields, which is the opposite of what you would typically see. So, what is that? That is a big signal for a oncoming recession. Now, is it a guarantee? It's not we had actually seen an inversion, I think it was in April or May of 2020 as well. It did not lead to a recession, but it is a indicator that a recession is on the way. So what does, why does that matter? Well, at, at this point, um, we're looking at the 10-year treasury yield, which is where yield, where the uh, mortgage-backed security markets pivot off of for rate pricing. And it has been testing over the last week uh two and a half percent yield right and what that means is enough people have sold it so that the yield increases on that security to a two and a half percent yield over that 10 years um but what we're seeing is significant well not significant but more resistance to that benchmark it looks like i was expecting to maybe get over two and a half and blow right up to three. And I, I don't believe that that's going to happen now. I believe there's enough resistance at two and a half where we may not get past that. Why does it matter? Because rates, obviously, since January have been increasing significantly. We've all seen it. And I believe that now um, we are going to be seeing some relief, at least this week. I know we saw significant, not, not significant relief yesterday, but it was a pretty big relief day yesterday. And then I'm seeing some more relief already today. So it's, um, it's, it's a good thing to watch. I mean, I'm watching the 10 year treasury. I'm watching the MBS market and I'm seeing uh, good things for pricing. So, um, we'll see, we'll see if this two and a half holds or not, but that's, that's where we're at today. And obviously what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, you know, supply chain issues. We still have all that going on. It's just everything all at once. It's just the perfect storm for, uh, for the securities markets. And when you talk about indicators, what do you, you know, how many indicators are there when the market's starting to go up or down? Well, I mean, like we've talked about in the past, um, fuel is an obvious indicator of uh, going into a recession, right? Obviously, yeah. fuel prices. We, we, last time this happened, 2008, fuel was at, you know, three, four bucks a gallon, and we went into a recession. What? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about literally at the pump. Yeah. Me too. It was $4.50. I, you know, I was spending $100 or more a week, you know, putting fuel in that big truck of mine. It was crazy. Yeah, I, I just filled up a Honda Odyssey for 90 bucks. It was great. Nice. Um, <laughs> man right there with the Honda Odyssey. I love it. Better believe it. Better believe right. it. But yeah, I mean, um, and when we see inflation like where it's at, the only real way to combat that is obviously the Fed raising rates. And now they're getting really hawkish, saying the next rate increase will be a half a percent. I know we talked about that last week. Yeah. Um, but actually, I but, want to get our guest. I'm going to interrupt you real quick because I want to get our guest to talk on that because I think it relates to one of her subject points. So give me a moment. I want to introduce our guest host, um, an, an amazing woman. She closed over $34 million last year, or at least her team did. She's ranked number 167 out of all the agents in the Chicago Association of Real, Realtors. And I was surprised at just the city of Chicago numbers. There's 20,000 members that belong to CAR, the Chicago Association of Realtors, and out of gross volume, she's 167. Um, she's been declared a homebuyer advocate by our experts right here on the Homebuyers Hour. <laughs> so congratulations on that. Not many people get that award, all right? Um, she is the lead of the Home Co. team, which is part of Compass. Her name is Haley Levine. And Haley, if you don't mind, give us a little bit about yourself and what makes you special real quick. And then I want to get to what Joey was talking about. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. 
Um, our team is a small but mighty team. I think we're very proud to be in the top 250 of all agents in Chicago. A lot of these teams I would be. Have, yeah. yeah. A lot of these teams, I think what sets us apart, they have a lot of agents, you know, 10 plus agents. Um, as far as salespeople go on my team, it's my partner, myself, and then we have two other agents. So we are a small but mighty team. And we're very client-centric. Uh, we're people-focused. That's the biggest difference, I think. And, and which is huge. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I read about you, I found you, and I wanted to get you up on this show. So what you're doing is amazing. We had a nice uh, conversation about, a little bit about boomers, you know, <laughs> since I think I'm the only boomer on this show, you know, right now. And, um, and how that's all changing with, you know, the millennials taking control of the world, which in, in my mind is actually a good thing, all right? There's a lot of stuff that was, I, I wasn't too happy about in the real estate business, but the way I'm thinking, seeing things changing and the client advocacy is huge and really important to me. But I, I'd like to get your take, Haley, on what Joey was taking with, or talking about with the, you know, the interest rates, what's going on in the world, but more specifically, about in real estate and how those numbers and the market and how you're finding houses and how there's a shortage mm -hmm. of inventory out there. Can you expand, expound on that a little bit, please? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely are starting to see the effects of the rate increase. Um, for me, the first time has really been in the last couple months. You know, we had people looking at a $500,000 price point and with the increase, you know, their price point had to come down you know, 50K or so more once they got their estimates of what their monthly payments were going to be, it put it over the edge. So that's good news then, Joey said that it looks like that's that, getting some relief. That's the best news I heard all week. <laughs> I can't wait to see that relief, you know, come through. And then we're just in an extreme, at least I'm feeling it with my buyers, an extreme seller's market. You know, we're seeing... Yeah. People do all kinds of things that for the first time in my career, I'm seeing, you know, waiving appraisal contingencies, mortgage contingencies, inspections. And then my biggest problem right now is really the, the inventory shortage. Um, I have a lot of clients that we work the city, but I'm just like you from the North Shore. Yeah. So I have a lot of clients looking to move to the burbs and in some places like in the North Shore, the inventory is down over 40%. Yeah. And we're seeing, my belief at least, is I think what happened is, you know, during the pandemic, you had all these boomers like yourself that yeah. planned on downsizing, going to the townhouse or going to the condo yeah. somewhere kids warm. Kids are grown, right? Kids are grown. They're the empty nesters. And instead of making that move, I believe they stayed because their grown kids started coming back home during, you know, when we were all working from home during the pandemic. So yeah. this inventory, there wasn't a turnover. You know, and with there being no inventory, everything is pretty much selling uh, on the private network before it's hitting the market. So I've been noticing that in our neighborhood. I noticed a few for sale signs, but they put special things on there coming yep. soon. Coming soon. So um, the coming soon is the new it's listed <laughs> is all I can say. So um you know, because people don't even need to. They can put their home on the private network, do one broker's open house where the clients are coming. It's on the market for a day and they're getting 15 offers. Um, That's amazing. So now more than ever, we've had to get really savvy. I kind of have gone back to basics, uh, to my cold calling days. And, you know, I'm pulling a list of the neighborhood mm. and I'm trying to create inventory for the first time you know, in a, in a long time, I'm calling people and trying to ask them, literally just saying, How have you ever thought that? about selling your home? Is that hard? Um, I mean, I, I don't have it in me. In, I'm a coward. I love talking to people. Okay. So for me, it's kind of fun. Right. And it's actually a great question to ask people. Have you ever thought about selling your home? Because everyone has thought about it. Or have you ever thought about yeah. what your home's worth? Um and I think people are really surprised when I'm not even really trying to get their listing. I'm genuinely just trying, like I'm not even trying to charge them 6%. I'm just trying to find my buyers a, a home because there is no inventory. Is that working? Uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, it's worth the effort. It's better than yes. doing nothing, in yes. my opinion. You know, we've had a couple things come about it. Um, 
And then I, I took it to Facebook and Instagram too, the modern version. I'm placing ads that are like, hey, these are my buyers. They need a home. You know, are you in this zip code? Are you in Forest Glen? And have you thought about selling? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And how does it work, you know, and Vince, if you don't mind, with this market being such a seller's market, and well, I guess I should find out a little more about Vince. Vince, do you work more with sellers or buyers or is it 50-50? Uh, my goal is to have it 50-50 and that is to please, frankly, please the uh, networking partners I work with, the referral sources. Uh, I've said this on your show before and I'll say it again. You know, us attorneys, we're at the end of the stream. There's a giant river and we're at the end and we get our wonderful clients, of course, from past uh, deals from existing clients who we helped buy or sell, and then it's time for them to sell or buy again. But uh, I only get my work or the majority of my work from real estate agents. And that's the long answer to say the short answer. My real estate agents would kill me, my friend, if I tried to only do sellers. How about that, Charlie? <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But, but how are you finding with the negotiations? And one of the conversations and I, I'd love to hear you and Haley, you know, talk about this. We we were talking about the keyword expectations. And how do you handle the expectation of a client when, you know, especially when somebody like our company comes in there and we make a forty page report, you know, of a, all these little minor issues that are going on in a house. How do you guys handle that? Uh, well, I'll go first, but I'll say yeah. I, I, I do like Haley's comment uh, earlier where she said she's noticing crazy or my words, uh, unique things um, occurring, such word. as waiving of home sale contingencies, waiving of uh, mortgage contingencies, waiving of inspection contingencies. And that is a really perilous thing for a lawyer uh, and for the client. And really, it's a risk assessment. And we just have to advise our clients. And, th and then I'm going to blend into your point because it's the same answer regarding you know after getting a long inspection report or a detailed short inspection report how do we handle it as advisors to our clients really charlie uh until my client asks my personal opinion i don't give it uh prior to that i say i give them their legal options and then of course and not just because haley i've said this on your show many times it's a team i i go to the real estate agent first and say hey i'm leaning towards sharing you know perhaps this approach how do you feel but you give them all the legal options and then you give them the risk assessment and honestly it is a bad it is not the greatest idea to waive an inspection contingency or waive your home loan contingency or waive the right to sell your existing home before you buy called a home sale contingency so it's my job to keep the client fully informed but i'm not their parent i'm not their uh, business partner they have to make the ultimate decision and just this week or or i should say it's only wednesday a week at the end of last week i had a, a wonderful client i've worked with three times she was buying another condo uh no she wasn't existing with three you know buy sell buy sell and um she was like what do you think vince i said do you really want to know my opinion or do you want to just know the legal option she goes no no give me your opinion so at the very end if someone dares ask me vince what would you do only then do i chime in because i think it would be disrespectful for me to try to sway someone with my personal opinion but i have my duties charlie i think I definitely agree. You said something that really resonates with me as you give them the options. And I always tell people, you know, it's my job to kind of tell you the options and the ways we could go in this scenario. Yeah. And it's up to you how you want to proceed. And then people always ask me, maybe less because I'm not a lawyer, but, uh, you know, what I would do. And Oh, well, I'm going to interrupt. And I think I just assume <laughs> you guys get asked a lot more. They, they're yeah. afraid of me being the hatchet man. Like, oh, yeah, I think they I think they relate to you guys better. But but I could yeah. be wrong. It could be my no, life. I think know? I get the lot more candid. Well, what would you do? And I tell people straight up, you know, I would never waive my entire mortgage contingency. And I explain to them what that means. If this home appraises lower, if you lose your job and you can't get a mortgage, you know, your earnest money is on the line. We're talking exactly. about, in That's some cases, $50,000, you know, and I say to people, for me, I'm not $50,000 confident this isn't going to be yeah. a problem for you, you know, later. So... You know, giving we're giving the options, but I am giving my opinion. Like at the end of the day, I don't want my clients to do something I wouldn't personally do. Yeah. Like, 
And I tell them too, just because somebody else is willing to do that and some other agent convince them, you know, it's okay. Some other attorney doesn't mean you need to, you know, as well. So No, without a doubt. I can't and I jump right on board in the same ship. You know, everything is about freedom of choice. That's what this whole country is based on. Yeah. All right. And taking that freedom of choice away from anybody, it's just the wrong thing to do, period. You know, so, no, Vince, that's why you're here, Joey, same situation and and same thing with Haley. And I'm so happy. You don't know I'm a, how happy I am to hear <laughs> you say stuff like that. It means a lot. I'm going to switch gear a little bit because I got a few questions that Haley, I found out about her that, you know, quite frankly, I want to steal some of these things. <laughs> so she has a goal of meeting 100 people a year. All right. Yeah. And I love that goal, you know, and everything's about building relationships yep. and making friends and building trust. And we were chatting a little bit about BNI and, and a few other things like that for one of the groups I belong to. And, you know, one of the classes that I took in there is first you got to get them to know you. Then you got to get them to like you. Yep. And then you got to get them to trust you. Yes. Go into more detail on, on the 100 people a year. Yeah. Please. So when I started in real estate, you know, I was in my early 20s and everyone talks to you about your sphere of influence, you know, your SOI. I like that. It's all about who you know and connect with your sphere and that's who's going to be buying homes. And my sphere at the time was young people like me that weren't buying homes, you know, or, or, or couldn't buy homes. So I decided I needed to make a new sphere, right? I needed to, I needed to meet new people. Yeah. So the first thing, you know, I really target people who are also entrepreneurs and people who need clients and people who need, or need, or need customers yeah. in general. And I was telling you earlier, I joked is, you know, when I originally started this, I'd ask people, Hey, like, who should I network with? Who can you connect me with? And everyone thought I was asking them to hook me up on a date. So I quickly <laughs> then switched my focus to- I know, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, I quickly then switched my focus to who's a badass woman or a female entrepreneur I should get to know. And that's how I started uh, networking in that way. But basically the reason I did this, and this is a, a book, Millionaire Real Estate Agents. It's like the real estate Bible. A lot of real estate agents have read it. It's okay. Keller Williams book. But in there, you know, they state for, it's a 12 to two ratio. So if I met of mats of people in your database, that's how many closings you will have, right? Oh. So if you, if I put a hundred people in my database and I follow up with them, yeah. I should have 16 closings for those every hundred people, roughly. I love numbers. Yeah, so this was, and it resonated with me because this is data. So all yeah. I had to do was meet a hundred people and remind them I was in real estate. So I did, and I set out to meet a hundred people. I just meet with anyone who's in a referral-based business, so like a florist, right? Yeah. And I ask them, who's your ideal client? And they'll say, weddings and funerals. And I'm like, okay. So, uh, you know, can you send me an email of how you want me to intro you if I come across someone who needs flowers? And they do. And then if they're not a jerk, they'll say, how can I help you grow your business? And I'll say, well, if you're looking for anyone who's looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, this is how you can introduce me. And it worked. Um, it's worked really well for me. I mean, 80% of my business is referral-based. Yeah. And a lot of it comes from these, you know, these hundred people. I and want now to it's see fun. That. I've met I, a lot of cool people. I've helped people find jobs. Nice. Um, I've helped people, you know, connect with other entrepreneurs. It's been Beautiful. really fruitful. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that, you know, and, and Joey and Vince, do you guys do that too? With, where you send out, this is how you can, you know, introduce me, you know, to other people and find out I'm trying to come up with the, a pro and con letter oh, that I, for an introduction that comes in there. Do you guys do that? So uh, this is Vince. Uh, I did in the past and just hear, hearing Hale, but, but not of late and hearing Haley say it just to be transparent. It was like a punch in the gut that I haven't been <laughs> Me too. much. Uh, now, now I will say, you know, between 
you know, a wife, three kids, and 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 my uh, existing business, and and serving as a volunteer at church. Uh, and I'm not plugging church, but here's my excuse to why I'm not doing it. No, but don't forget there. your acting career as Vinnie Hot Stuff, yeah, and then and the radio show, and your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, everything. I'm, I mean, you're I, a superstar. I am, you know? I am busy, but oh my goodness, it was a punch in the gut. I I, I was writing notes while Haley was talking, thinking I got to get back to it. So nice. so actually, uh, I've gotten lazy but I think it's working. It's a soft ROI, but I need to do that more, Haley. But I have been relying on Facebook, LinkedIn, my uh, email newsletter, uh, my blog, and my video clips. So, but as Haley said it, I even wrote a note here. I was like, back to personal relationships. Yeah, LinkedIn's actually where I meet. Like, this is so funny. One of the ways that I'll do it is I'll start to like jog my memory, I'll make an alphabet list, A to Z. So A, I'm looking for an accountant. I mean, I have an accountant, but that's the example. I'll go on LinkedIn, see who I'm connected with that it's an accountant. And then I message them and say, hey, would you like to meet, I'm a millennial, so I'll say IRL in real life, right? Yeah. Instead of just, let's connect for real. And then I'll- I'm bowing my head in shame yeah, because I didn't know I'll, what IRL and I'll, meant. And then I'll Thank meet, you for explaining. And then I'll meet with them because I feel like we all have, like, I probably have 5,000 LinkedIn connections, but I don't really know them. But yeah. LinkedIn's great too. Like I just send a, you know, would you want to get coffee and see if I can, I we can help each other grow that. our businesses. I have to step it up, too. I'm saying this so that you can all hold me accountable to my hundred because I am behind. No, no, I love it. I love it. So I was admitting that I've, you know, relied on media or or computer platforms. But, oh, my gosh, Haley, great, great points. Great points. I don't know what Joe's doing. And I do hold meetings over Zoom. You can. That's actually just as great. It's becoming acceptable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if COVID did anything good. Yeah. It let us work from home. Mm-hmm. And then it also let us talk, you know, through video conferences. Totally. And that became a norm and it's an accepted way now. When before it was almost insulting if you couldn't make it out there. Yeah. No, I love it. The, I'm going to start stealing some of that stuff. And LinkedIn, I, I kind of ignored it. You know, I play around on Facebook, but I guess that's also another boomer thing. Yeah. And that, But you're on, you're on Facebook. and I am. And then also Instagram. And Instagram, yeah. So um, we do a pretty heavy amount. We invest heavily in Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, I think being a millennial, like that's yeah. a thing. And it's funny, you say that millennials and Gen Zers aren't on Facebook. They're on it. They just don't engage with it. We're all scrolling yeah. it, but we're not commenting. Okay. Um, but yeah, we get a good amount of business from these ads we post, you know, look at these listings. And then what we do is we turn those people into clients. You know, a lot of my business is first time home buyers. Can you share how? Yeah, I, I can share. Because I'm curious. So yeah. we, you know, we post an ad saying, hey, new listing in Lincoln Park, check it out. They fill out a form, you know, as the internet right. makes you do, it makes you give them more info. Yeah. We call them, or we have someone on my team call them, and we set up a meeting and we ask them, are you a first time home buyer? Because likely if they're poking around on the internet and they're not on the MLS or yeah. an agent isn't sending them stuff, they, they are. And then we say, you know, one of the things our team does best is we help people go from renting to home ownership. Would you like to hop on a Zoom and, you know, we'll spend like 30 to 40 minutes with you, go over the home buying process, start to finish, you know, set you up for success. Um, you know, is that something you're interested in? And then we hold the meeting, we provide the value, and then we follow up with them. A lot of these people are like a year out or six months out. But once we've held the meeting, uh, 80% of buyers work with the first real estate agent they meet. So we're still the first they've met at that yeah. point, right? But it's um, also the relationship too. I mean, I'm not it's a dismissing the first and the thing. providing value. And the trust. And the trust and building the trust. So we have like a little presentation and we go through all the steps. You know, can I ask you BS them, your way into trust? I don't think you can. You I can't you, you can. can't BS trust. You have to you, know? you have to be either a good yeah. human being and yeah. Yeah. And yeah. But I, but Charlie, I do have one suggestion, and I don't mean to call it BSing my way, but for your LinkedIn profile, you know, yeah. I saw that picture you had on your wall of you with your Bon Jo John Bon Jovi hair. I think, <laughs> I my think. No, yeah, your mullet back in the day, man. I think you use that as your profile picture. Oh my gosh, business would be coming in through the door, Charlie. 
Yeah, okay. I think that actually was <laughs> my joke you were to, looking at. There I is have to no go such see thing. Mullet. No, there was oh, never a mullet. Me. He's messing with me. That's you all there is excited. to it. You know, but yeah, no, this is. You it's know. your LinkedIn picture, man, with that it drone. I love it. I oh, love it. You just one. need a little more hair. I'm just imagining you, you know, in your fireman. No, Luck never with a... the mullet. Joey's, Joey's a sexy fireman, not me. I was, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I would have been the guy that just stayed in the background of all the scenes and that. I just try to stay out of the way and let the heroes do their magic, <laughs> you know. But uh, <laughs> no, they got me I off guard with that. Us. I apologize. I've been no. <laughs> I love it. But go, you know, go back a little bit more about the Facebook and Instagram. I mean, well, first of all, Facebook. Don't they? Isn't it? difficult putting ads on Facebook because of the housing laws? It is. Um, it mm -hmm. used to be when I started doing this like three or four years ago, So, like you could target directly. Like I could yeah. target people in a zip code who are looking to buy a home who made X number, you know, dollars a year. Now you can't really do that. You know, you just target the whole thing. Yeah. But we build the rapport online so essentially they click on an ad where they see a home and then they click on another ad where it's a home buyer seminar online and then you know by the time they've seen the third ad and they're giving their info it's a good indicator that they're serious um i'm lucky that now we're at compass and compass actually places those ads you know i tell oh, them nice. what I want it to say, yeah. but they have a whole tech team that makes sure that it's within fair housing law guidelines and everything. Do you guys work with a lot of Compass agents? I, I gotta be honest, I don't pay attention to the real estate office. I kind of focus more on the person instead of the company. But do you guys yeah, work with uh, a lot of Compass agents? I know it's big. Well, I'll let Joey talk. I've been dominating. Go, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are good. I. I, I'm actually working with a closing right now, so I apologize. I've been a little bit distracted. You're um, fine. Always I've working, working 24-7. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's just it's, the Compass agents and finding their technology behind their system, I guess, is where I was going with that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really don't know too much about uh, the Compass technology, if I'm being totally honest. Um, <laughs> okay. It, it, well, it's just hey. because on my end we have our own systems on the lending side and I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of technology. So, um, I think that it is certainly made our lives easier. Uh, it has made all of our buyers lives significantly easier. I know that like myself, uh, I work across the country. I'm in all 50 States. Uh, this closing I'm talking about right now is happening in Alabama. Right. And, um, I'm in Arizona right now. So it's just, uh, it's, if you're working with a company, I think that, making sure they're on the leading edge of tech is kind of important right now. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I do that's where say, I'm going. when I talk about Facebook ads and that our business comes from there, yeah. people are always very interested in the ad itself, right? How are you really? placing the ad? How are you getting the leads? And because I want to do the same thing. Cause of you course. do, but yeah. honestly though, the reason we're converting these people and why they're turning into closing, yeah. it isn't the ad and it isn't the lead. It's that, it's the follow-up yeah. and it's the, you know, we're calling them every day, every day until they tell us to, you know, F off. And then <laughs> we're setting up, sorry, <laughs> then we're setting up a meeting with them to like, you know, to talk about buying a home and, you know, providing the value. You could do the same thing. I want other agents or, you know, other people out there to know this, entrepreneurs, that yeah. I, I could do the same results sitting in open house you know, four open houses a weekend and just getting those people's names and phone numbers. It's not really the ad, it's it's the follow-up. Like that people are always very into the ad and it's it's really not. And is the ad also on Instagram Yeah, the well? ad goes on Instagram and on Facebook. And then how many, uh, you know, I, I, and I, you made it sound, and I know this isn't the truth, so I, yeah. I want you to kind of back out of it a little bit. You made it sound like you annoy the daylights out of your clients or potential oh. clients. That's not the goal. No, that's not the goal. Well, the goal We're, is to build the trust. The, the goal is to build the trust. And in all honesty, they filled out a form that said, contact me about buying a home. So, yeah. And I'm not the one calling. So we don't annoy the daylights out of them. But most of these people aren't picking up the phone. So as soon as someone picks up the phone and says, you know, I'm not interested in buying a home. Okay. We don't want to work with you. We go away for yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I don't. The last thing I want to do is 
harass people. But well, you know what I love about this There is a lot to be business? said about follow-up. <laughs> like, What's that, Vince? What, what I love about this business is like how we each work together. And, and sure, it sounds like a love fest, okay, for me to share this. But, you know, oh, but it's Joe, true. Joe like, like we're like spokes to the hub, right? So like you, you serve a purpose with your inspections. Joey serves a purpose. And Haley, of course, the agent is the front end person and then the attorney on the back end but like hearing that haley gets attention or all real estate agents or all real estate agents should do it a certain way haley gets attention and business and uh props or or accolades for follow-up and staying in touch well there's a little crossover with the lawyer and then there isn't i get a, attention for uh, follow-up or responsiveness, but I don't ping people. I can't chase them. You know, lawyers have even like, even if people think they're gone because you see billboards on the highway now, lawyers still have solicitation rules. We can't chase, ambulance chase, so to speak. But really mm -hmm. what we do, we, uh, there's only two ways to shine as, a, as an attorney, a real estate attorney. It's be immediately responsive or as close as possible and be emotionally attached to the seller or buyer to show them that you care. And we've talked about, you know, loving on our clients, Charlie, that's been your phrase on the show. But yeah. I love I love how we all work together because Haley has to or should or can stay in constant contact beforehand. I frankly can't. I have to shine yeah. a different way. But when you're called on, you have to respond. You know, which is really that, just big good business for any business. I don't care if you're, you know, selling, uh, you know, inflatable tubes for pools in the summer or real estate. But yes, yes, correct. So yeah, let's take a, a short little that that has to be stated. It, it oh, is, and, well, that's the number one knock. About. That's the number right. one knock against attorneys. I don't know about the rest of your field, but go on. Oh, yes. Let, <laughs> let me just interrupt real quick and just take and I want to go around the horn one time and just give out our contact information. I'm going to lead the way. My name again is Charlie Belfontaine. I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is www.thehehomeinspectors.com. And talking about things that you don't like to have to say all the time is I have to spell out the word the just because of that <laughs> stupid Chicago accent of mine. Our phone number is 847. I'm sorry. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. And Vince, please. Sure. Vince Arricchio of the Arricchio Law Offices. Uh, check us out at uh, reallawchicago.com. Our phone number 312-263-0010. And our tagline, or no, really, Charlie makes me say it. Uh, the Arricchio Law <laughs> Offices, where the law gets real, Charlie, where it gets oh, real. Even with emotion, even better. <laughs> Joey, please. Yep, uh, Joey Matthews, the Federal Savings Bank. My cell phone is 630-235-2405. Call or text anytime. I'm always ready. Sounds good. And Haley, don't be afraid to say hello to anyone you want to say hello to, but give us your contact information, how people can reach you. Yeah, Haley Levine at the HomeCo team at Compass Real Estate. You can reach us at homecochicago.com. It's homecochicago.com. And my number... Uh, Text me, 847-644-6848. Now, are you a, one of those people that work, like Vince was saying, 24-7 and Joey's the same way? Yeah, my phone is never more than like a few inches from my hand. Really? It's all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I must be the horrible person in the group then, because it's like at 5 o'clock, unless it's an emergency and somebody dials 911 to talk to me, um, I want that phone off. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. We have other people that will answer the phone and take all that stuff, and I could be texted. But yeah, it's it's I don't Charlie, know. Charlie, I it's think you've been family time. I, I think you've been a little too hard on yourself because uh, I'm just going to say it a certain way. Like you have to schedule and then get into people's personal space into their yeah. residence. So I think what you're doing is perfectly acceptable. It's a kind of different angle uh, of a service provider in the same field as us. No one's expecting you. I mean, you're not a plumber either, like if a pipe bursts. OK, so no, uh, no one's expecting you to pick up the phone at six o'clock. Frankly, real estate agents and, and lenders would expect a lawyer to. Uh, but since you have to schedule and then go into people's premises i think what you're doing is perfectly acceptable i don't think you're uh, outdated either i changed my role in our business a little bit you know now now that we have 11 inspectors going i don't do inspections anymore you know my goal is to well 
meet successful real estate agents. I'm going to look Haley right in the eye. I'm not beating around the bush. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's professional and somebody who makes things happen and truly cares about their clients. My goal is to start building that up. And then we also do all the training of the home inspectors as well. So it's recruiting other people that we find that are passionate about this business. But most importantly, it's problem solving and and follow up, which really made me you know, excited hearing Haley talking about, you know, the different steps and contacting people, finding out about them, building that trust and so forth and how important it is. We were doing a training exercise and I'll throw this at you two guys here and Haley jump in as well if you mm-hmm. want. We were doing field events for new home inspectors the other day and one of them came up to me and, and the other day, this was about a month ago, and he was saying, you know, what do you think about you know, getting a follow-up phone call after the home inspection with the real estate agent and the client to go over the report. And the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, what a great idea. I love that so much. Nobody does that, do they? You know, and I have the time now. We have the inspectors go out there, they do their hero work, and then we just offer it up to our client and the agents if they don't want to take us up on it, because sometimes it's not necessary. You know, they can make their own decisions. I'm actually toying with the idea, Vince. I mean, would you want to be in on a call like that? Do you think that would be helpful? Haley's not here. I love I'm it. doing that already, but but yeah. of course, yes, yes. Uh, uh, well, okay. I'm doing not to pitch Haley. This is just the truth for the show. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, the real estate agents will call me after that. I work with regularly will call me after home inspection. They give me their take. Fifty percent of the time, I try to cut to the chase to save everyone time. We have a three-way call. Cell phones. You just hit. You know, add a caller. We get the yes. buyer on the phone right away. Uh, I take my notes, or you know, it depends on how elderly or busy a client is. You know, they could bullet point me what they want. But Charlie, I'm doing that already with out the inspector but then when when we need a follow-up uh we'll either include or follow up with the inspector so so I, now i remember your question is do we do that with the inspector immediately no we will do it as like a follow-up if if the team members can't you know resolve or 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 feel comfortable on the front end charlie no I, I, oh, go ahead i'm sorry i think that that is so great because i think that's what every good real estate agent should be doing i mean like what we do now is you know we're at the inspection and then we're getting the report and especially with first-time home buyers even if the inspection went well they get this 40-page report and now they're panicking right. and we're sitting there on the phone being like oh okay remember they talked about this and this yeah. is that and then i normally do loop in the attorney too because i'm with you i think if we can get on a three-way call instead of 10 emails back and forth all day. Yeah. It'll come together a lot quicker. Um, but Agreed, I would yeah. love to have the inspector on the call too. I mean, you're the expert, right? Or I hope so. In, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just a simple example, house in Evanston, right? And, you know, sidewalks break. You know, and I used to be a concrete guy in my young, young days. And we always guaranteed our work from theft, fire, and that it will crack. Yeah, mm-hmm. jokes don't get better. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. But this was an old home in Evanston, you know, towards the lakefront. And the sidewalk was lifted. All right. It cracked. It moved. And, you know, we're going to document that. Our clients don't want things ignored. They want it documented. But what we say and what somebody hears sometimes are two different things. So when we did this follow-up, they were like, well, we got to get this sidewalk fixed, you know, coming in here. I wish you guys would have saw <laughs> Haley raise her eyebrows on that one, you know. He goes, what are you talking about? Every house is going to be like that. Yeah. But sometimes when a real estate agent says that or an attorney says something like that, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're taking a risk of, you know, losing the trust that they have. They may not believe you. But if I come out there and say that and I could back it up with, you know, legitimate things like that, I think that takes a lot of pressure off and it's more accurate to the client. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm not saying that I try to talk anybody out of stuff, but it's, again, just help them make good decisions. Every home is going to be like that. If you want it smooth and straight and new, you could tear it out. That's your choice. Yeah. But in all reality, every house that we look at is going to have the same situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know what much more to say. But, yeah, so far that's been going over very well. I actually have another one this afternoon. We've been doing it on Google Meet, which is nice because, yeah, because that way I could bring up the report. We can all look at it. Everybody could voice into it. 
And then if there's ever a problem, you know, like we just had another one where we called out a furnace for, you know, having too much oxygen, being exhausted. And, you know, even, and the American Gas Association, they don't recognize the oxygen levels, but a lot of our training does. So, you know, we're competing with heating contractors to say things are okay and we're not okay. But anyway, I'm digressing. If you did is like, and this is how we frame it to our clients, you know, before the inspection, I let people know that we're not not looking for uh, Home Depot type fixes, right? Right. Those small things. And I let them know the inspector is there to do their job. They're going to let you know everything that could be wrong with this. They should. They should. There's a lot they don't. But someone like, you know, you and your team, you do. And I would love if the inspector would group things and do, or when you're having that conversation, say things like, you know, these are for your knowledge, right? Like maintenance type stuff that you should know about. If you're going to live in this home 20 years, you should know could come up. These are things that, you know, would be nice if you fix, not necessary, but could be fixed, right? Something like this, you know, the sidewalk or whatever it is. And then the, these are things you need to fix for your health, you know, before you move in this home for your health and safety. Like these are the three things, you know, or the four things that- I couldn't agree more, but I I, I still don't want to make those decisions for the client. No, I know, but that's what I always try to do with the client, but to have you, you know, give that is is great. And that's what I do afterwards. It's going to be, you know, as we're talking on the phone, and I mentioned this to you before, it's it always boils down to two things: how much and who pays. Yeah. All right. So once we could start giving somebody a range and the dollar values, what it costs to cure this, and also, you know, I could toss in a third one: how important is it to fix this? I mm-hmm. mean, is this something that you can live with? They've been living with this for 20 years. Right. You know, just because a roof is installed wrong doesn't mean it's going to leak. But I don't want to ignore that and, you know, let people think that no. I didn't tell them about it. Yeah. Because then they're going to think I'm deceiving them. Yeah. And that's the the one thing I don't want in my Well, and you're in a you referral-based know. business. You know, I always tell people, too, it's not the home I sell you that's important. It's that, you know, you come back to me, right? And I need you to like your home. If everyone that comes over says, oh, our inspector didn't find this and our house is a lemon. And, and it happens a lot. Yeah, and our real estate agent let us bought it. They're not going to refer me no. business. So I need, you know, them to have a housewarming party, love their home, and then send us other people. And so. same thing even working with people like Joey here. I'm going to do a little schmoozing on him here. You know, you get a lot of lazy lenders out there. And just from, you know, being Joey, being one of our experts here, you know, give yourself a sales pitch, Joe. What the hell? Tell them how advanced you are with getting everybody prep when you do your pre-approvals, please. No, well, I mean, it's it's just uh, it's just don't be lazy. It's like I, I say it every week, but mortgage lending is so much easier than people make it out to be. Um mm-hmm. Any lender, if, 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 if you're worth a, a darn, you're going to only issue pre-approvals with automated underwriting. You're only going to issue if you actually have collected docs and run credit. And you're going to review the docs. Like the, the biggest thing that I see um, that can lead to speed bumps is big deposits and bank accounts that are, you know, over the acceptable limit, right? So you have to source it. You have to find out where that's coming from. If that's like, hey, I just found some money in my mattress and dropped 10K in my, my account, that's not going to fly. You're, gonna, you're, you're not going to be pre-approved for at least until that is seasoned out, you know? So What does seasoned out mean? The season now because we only have to collect the last uh, one or two months bank statements based de- depending on what type of loan it is. So seasoning means like you know we we're we're going to sit on this deal for a little while until we don't see Did that you know deposit that? happening on your most recent statements. Know. Yeah, I, so I like hearing these words and yeah. and I always feel like I'm a big dummy <laughs> because I don't know what they mean. But it's not my field. You yeah, know, I should no, know what they mean. I we we just don't want to see that deposit anymore. Be, be, if you can't source it, we don't want to see it. So if if uh, we have to wait a little bit of time before you have a couple statements that just show that money in your account without showing it being deposited, that's a totally different story. Um, but yeah, just staying ahead of things like FHA or VA loans, running CAVERS ahead of time. CAVERS is uh, the system that the government uses to track federal debt or uh, federal default, I should say. A lot of people with student loans from the 2000s that are no longer reporting to credit, if they defaulted on those, it's not on your credit anymore, but the government knows. We always run a CAVERS report. So I run CAVERS before I issue a pre-approval. For VA loans, I, I grab a certificate of eligibility before I issue a pre-approval. There's just so many things that you can fall into just by being lazy that kills deals. I've never had a loan 
uh, denied for a borrower issue. It's been what, eight, eight years. Not a wow. single loan has been denied for a borrower related issue. And team, I got a team of, uh, what, 15 bankers right now. And I've trained all of them. I like my bankers fresh and new to the game. So I'm not breaking bad habits. And you're not um, a nice boss. I know that. Yeah, well, I, 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 I could be told that, but at the end of the day, all my people are closing all their loans and none of them have all been denied for a bar related issue. So, yeah, it's good. Well, yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, I really enjoy the training aspect of my job. Uh, I feel like that way I can affect more families, too, outside of just the loans that I'm working on myself. So I, I, I love I love managing a team. It's fantastic. I have a question for you. For sure. How are you getting, because sometimes I know lenders can get like the appraisal waiver where you can just do the desk appraisal. When are you seeing that and how are you, how do we get those? Yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> no, that's a great question. So the, the what we're getting that from is from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac when we run automated underwriting. We have desktop underwriter and we have loan prospect advisor. Those are the two systems that are used. DU is from Fannie Mae, LPA is from Freddie Mac. So when we get those, it's because those systems are taking the full account of credit, the assets, uh, down payment amount. They're looking at the value of the property itself because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they own all the loans in the country, right? right? Except for VA and FHA loans. So they have the data. As long as they believe the overall risk based on assets, credit, debt ratios, and actual uh, contract, uh, the sales price, as long as that fits the safety risk threshold, they will issue an appraisal waiver directly to us. Now we can let the agent know, hey, we have an appraisal waiver on this, which is awesome, you know, because then you're looking at a, yeah. Yeah, so that is an amazing, and I want people to know this that are listening, that are buying a home. We are talking about, you know, in this market, people are waiving their appraisal. So in that situation, if we know the appraisal is going to be fine, I would definitely leverage that for my buyer, right? And I'd say like, hey, we'll waive, you know, we're not going to back out of this deal due to appraisal. We'll waive our appraisal or we'll, you know, do appraisal gap coverage or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. At what point in the process do you know, I guess, like how deep into the underwriting are you where you know if it's going to have that appraisal waiver? Like, could I be writing an offer and say, hey, is this going to go through or... You know, yeah, yeah, because of how I collect docs and how I do my income and assets up front, I run AUS with a property attached. And if Mm -hmm. that property is kicking back a appraisal waiver at what your offer is going to be and what their loan amount is going to be with their full credit profile, then yes, I will let you know up front if we have an appraisal waiver available or not. Well, that's exciting. So that's 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 a pre approval. Yeah, that's a great benefit to buyers. Everyone should. Everyone should work with someone great with you that can do that. (laughs) (laughs) He's always available. We're going to. I'm I'm, I'm nuts. I literally I'm insane. I I, in my head, I'm always like, how come I don't write every mortgage in the world? This is ridiculous. Right. I do that to myself and it's totally (laughs) not reasonable. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, hey, there's no one that takes care of their buyers better than me. And granted, yeah, there's other lenders who can take care of their buyers as well as me, but no one can do it better. That's how I view it. (laughs) You know, if you don't believe that, then you really have no business in this profession at all. And I mean that on every single real estate profession that's involved in the transaction, not just you, Joey. I always say that this industry, all facets of it, you know, each of us, maybe other than being an attorney, because that requires law school, but a home inspector, a lender, a realtor, there's a low bar of entry. There is. I mean, really, it is. Like, it's, you know, it's a 30-hour course for me and getting 70% or more on a test. And then it's, you know, you get to help people make the largest transaction of their of their life. And I think that is 60 hours for home inspector. Yeah. 70% still. Yeah. And that's... What 30, 40% do I not need to know about a house to help somebody? (laughs) Right. And I don't think that people realize that. And the people that do realize that think that we provide no value. And what you're saying is true is like, this is what sets apart, you know, knowing these things, knowing you can get an appraisal waiver, you sitting on the phone, you know, and going over this and and caring. That's the key. That's a key word. Being in the top 10% of agents that can get off market property. Like this is the, it's the difference. (laughs) It's between somebody who who wants to be part of the 10% that does 90 or somebody that wants to be the 90% of the population that wants to fight over the last 10. Yeah. So we are getting short on time. We got a little less than five minutes. 
and I still got about 37 questions I wanted to ask Kaylee, so we're not going to get to all of those. But there is one on here that, um, just because it, it affects my profession, what's the worst inspection you've ever done? Oh, my gosh. I think the worst inspection I ever done was actually a building I bought with my husband. No way. Yeah. Um, I didn't do the inspection, did I? You didn't. Oh, it was a commercial <laughs> building. Um it had a hair salon on the first floor and then residential above, and we bought it to live and work in it. And it was rough. It had about a foot of stagnant water in the basement. Oh, no. It had a porch that was falling off the back. I mean, it was it was rough. Uh, and Eagle Eye Home, I hope there's not a company named Eagle Eye Home but Inspections. I will say <laughs> where there is issues, there is upside for potential and negotiation. So we did end up buying it. All right. Um, but were you aware of everything? Not everything. Okay. No, and I don't, you know, there was definitely stuff I would have liked to have been aware of. We went to the final walkthrough thinking that it was just a little bit of water that would be in the basement, and there was like a foot of water, and that wasn't at the inspection. So, yeah. you know, you they said you might get a little rod. bit of backup, not you might get like, you know, a foot of water. Um, that gets a little scary. And it was and, bad. <laughs> and then you end up getting a buyer's remorse and everything else. Yeah. Um, it ended up being okay, but it would have been nice to have someone, you know, very, very, very diligent. Yeah, yeah. just, a, you know, again, it's our focus group when we did our follow-up is people just want to know. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, they can make their own decisions. Yeah. They just want to know. And uh, I don't know. I, I think we should know more as home inspectors and we should be able to document more. And, yeah, the the ones, uh, you know, the ones that go ahead and say that, well, that's not in our standards or you know, that's beyond the scope and all these other things. I'm like, that's nuts. You know, learn as much as you can yeah. and just share it and like, give your client as much knowledge as you can. Are yeah. we going to know everything? No. Yeah, I I'm also not. always say it's a red flag when the home inspector yeah. won't get on the roof. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. I see that so often, you know, where yeah. it's our seller and the home inspector comes and he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't think we have roof access or I didn't bring the ladder. And I'm like, oh, didn't these bring people the buying a house, I'm like... <laughs> You're not yeah. going to go look at the roof? That's that's pretty big, you know. Yeah, that $20,000 ticket item? You're yeah. not going to look at yeah, it? Yeah, we're not going to check that. I mean, you know, it's not, yeah. I'm not representing them, but. No, all our guys do get on roofs, but not all of them. I mean, we got, you know, if it's 612 and steeper, if it's clay tile, yeah. slate, mm-hmm. wood roof and stuff that comes in there, then we're not going to be able to get on those, but. It's also good to have a backup plan. Right. And that's where the drones come yeah, in. That's where the, the docking poles come in. You know, so we got different options that we could go ahead. So everybody has that part 107 and they can all launch and take pictures that way. Let's go around the horn one more time. Haley, this time I'm going to have you start. Give us your contact information just because we're running out of time. Sure. Yeah. My name is Haley Levine. I'm with the HomeCo team at Compass. Uh, you can find us at homecochicago.com. That's homecochicago. And my phone number is 847-644-6848. Sounds good. Vince? Yes, the Arricchio Law Offices, Vince Arricchio, phone number, area code 312-263-0010. Check us out, reallawchicago.com. You know it, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Charlie, we're where the law gets real. <laughs> I love that. Joey, one last thing. Joey, the world's okayest mortgage guy, Matthews, uh, <laughs> cell phone 630-235-2405. Uh, again, all day, all night, weekends, holidays, I don't care. Call me, text me. Uh, real estate never sleeps. I'm always Amen ready for to that. And again, my name is Charlie Belfontaine, and you've been listening to the Home Buyers Hour. I want to thank you for taking the time. Um, don't ever hesitate. Look us up on Facebook for the Home Buyers Hour, and... Give us a like, give us a share, do what you can, but we're always going to have client advocates on this show, and that's going to be the most important thing we can do. So thank you. This is the end. And oh, I forgot one special person. Devin Tingle's our producer, and I want to give a special thank you to him. So that is all. Charlie out, and thank you again for listening.